The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides, the stainless steel construction made the flux dispersal. Look out! If you're going to make a time machine, do it in style. Use a DeLorean, the unmistakable soundtrack from Back to the Future, a, a movie that made them the film career of Michael J. Fox and Lisa Cannon, a TV host, executive producer of Spotlight in our Inside Hollywood segment, is going to tell us all about it. Lisa, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Doesn't that make you want to see the film all over again? All over again. It made me smile just listening to that. I know. It's such a wonderful film. Of course, everybody remembers it. It's the mega hit from 1985. And today we're talking about the movies that made the star. And Michael J. Fox was relatively unknown in the film world. This was his debut film, other than Family Ties, which was a, a sitcom in 1982 to 1989. So seven years on air. OK, now let's go back in time. Uh, who is Michael J. Fox? Where did he come from? Uh, well, that's a great one. You see, as you said, before we set the flux capacitor to 1985, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about um, Michael J. Fox. Yes, he actually is a Canadian actor and um, I suppose he's retired now, Sammy, as many people know, he has Parkinson's disease, but but he's been working prominently in, in sitcom and in film life since around the late 70s. So he's actually from English and Scottish descent. His maternal grandmother's from Belfast, Northern Ireland, which I didn't know. I thought that was quite interesting. But um, his mother um, passed away, sadly, in 2022, and he basically always credited his mother for getting him on a TV series called Leo and Me back in 1979. And then at 18 years of age, they always start very early in Hollywood. He moved to Los Angeles to further his acting career. So from then, you know, de- debut appearances in Letters from Frank and then moved then on to, I suppose, Family Ties. That was his big performance. OK, really now explain Michael J. Fox. So actually, his name is Michael Andrew Fox. Nobody knows this. So, so of course, when you sign up to be an actor, you have to go on the Screen Actors Guild Awards and you have to promote yourself. So he has to get his ticket, as they would say. So under the unique registration names, um, Michael... Michael Fox was actually a veteran character actor, so he had to change the name and put J in there, which he thought was a better option than rather than A. a. Michael. Because 
a fox. Yeah. Michael A. Fox. Michael A. Fox was the original name. So then he changed it to Jay just because he, he liked it. And it was a tribute to another actor actually called Michael J. Pollard. So he didn't like the aid. So there, there we go. But as he explained in his autobiography, it's called A Lucky Man, A Memoir. I have it actually on my nightstand and it's brilliant if you ever want to read it. He, he also talks about kind of breaking into Hollywood and how difficult that was because he talks about his height that he said, I never thought I was going to get any roles. But actually the role that he played, Alex P. Keaton on Family Ties, he was the younger kind of, you know, interesting schoolboy that that plays the character in the family. And he became the most popular character in the whole series. So when Back to the Future was casting, they never thought they could get him because he was so popular. He didn't want to go and, the and they And they didn't get him initially. I mean, they, they had intended to cast uh, somebody else in the absence of uh, Michael J. Fox because he was just too busy he on was, telly. He was too busy. He'd won a Golden Globe and I think he was just very much highly in demand in the 80s. So what had happened was Bob Gale and Bob Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis is a phenomenal director. If people don't know, he would have made Forrest Gump. He's also made Romancing the Stone. And back then, he was an unknown film director just out of, straight out of film school. So he teamed up with Spielberg. They were all buddies and they decided that this script which has been rejected 44 times was the one that was going to make him big Eric Stoltz who remember from The Mask the film The Mask yeah. was originally cast because Columbia Pictures wanted Eric in the role but actually Eric was very well I wouldn't say boring but he took the role extremely seriously he had no he, he was structure. trying to play Marty McFly he did play Marty McFly for six and a half weeks so Michael J Fox was never in the the, the gunning or the running for the role ever. It was always Eric Stoltz. So what happened, which never happens in cinematic history, is that they took Eric Stoltz out of the role after six and a half weeks working with, you know, Christopher Lloyd and all of the actors that we know, Crispin Glover, and he was replaced by Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox actually had to take the manila envelope that he was given the script in and had to sign on the dotted line, working in tandem of doing Family Ties in the morning from 10 till 6 and then going on set Back to the Future right through until 2.30 in the morning. Another peculiar thing is that the the studio didn't like the name Back to the Future. They wanted something else entirely. Oh, there were so many things with this movie that it never should have got made. I mean, really, it was destined for failure. I mean, all these decisions that blazed the trail for this kind of light-bolting cinematic history were never purposely happening. So it was originally going to be called Professor Brown Visits the Future, which is awful. Boring. Or Spaceman from Pluto. So Back to the Future, the executive of Columbia hated it. It was bought by Universal, then it was moved back again. So really and truly, this film didn't stand a chance. But as we all know, you know, time is the only thing that money can't buy. Now, now this guy, uh, Sid Scheinberg uh, in the studio, he didn't like Back to the Future. So he sent out a a memo suggesting, you know, I'm a spaceman from Pluto. And he changed his mind because Spielberg, who was already a big shot at this point, uh, thanked him for sending a wonderful joke memo. Yes, that's and your man right. couldn't kind of admit that he was serious about the spaceman from Pluto and kind of back down and it was called Back to the Future. Exactly. Uh, yeah, he's basically Spielberg kind of called his bluff and said, this is a hilarious memo, Sid. We don't want to call it Spaceman <laughs> from Pluto. So they got what they wanted. That's about being kind of, I suppose, guttural as a film director. You just have to go for it, don't you? Hmm. Now, um, the doc, I, you know, the, one of my favourite characters in, in cinema, played by Christopher Lloyd, whom we knew from Taxi. 
That's right, yes. Um, I mean, it made him as a movie star as well. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the three uh, movies. He was terrific, but very tall. Very tall. So he <laughs> towers, of course, above Michael J. Fox. So that's why he has this uh, kind of the physicality of the stoop in the movie. People wonder why, you know, is he kind of stooping down and he has the crazy hair. So they've actually backcombed all his hair to make him look even yeah. bigger and brighter but, but and larger the kind than of, the, the physicality of that is the kind of suggesting the boffin who's always pouring over a microscope or a test tube or um, you know a, a silicon chip on on uh, on the table that kind and that's why he's bent. Yeah, and you know, Pat, he never actually wanted the role. He actually threw the script in the bin. It was only for the fact that his wife said to him, "Are you crazy? This is a screen collaboration with Spielberg. Do you not want to work with him?" And he was like, "Oh, all right," because he was a great theatre actor, you know, and that's where he started out. So, film to him was, you know, this was destitute mm. to go to film. We listen to another clip now when Marty arrives at. Uh, Doc's house in 1955 and tries to convince him that he's actually travelled through time from 1985. That's right. And from the future. I came here in a time machine that you invented. Now I need your help to get back to the year 1985. Do you know what this means? It means that this damn thing doesn't work at all. This ah, you gotta help me. You were the only one who knows how your time machine works. Time machine? I haven't invented any time machine. Okay, all right. I'll prove it to you. Look at my driver's license. Expires 1987. Look at my birthday, for crying out loud. I haven't even been born yet. And look at this picture. It's my brother, my sister, and me. Look at her sweatshirt, Doc. Class of 1984. Pretty mediocre photographic fakery. They cut off your mother's hair. I'm telling the truth, Doc. You gotta believe me. Then tell me, future boy. Who's president of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? The actor? (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> a good line, isn't it? It's great. Uh, Ronald Reagan actually enjoyed uh, for all of that. Yeah, because obviously when this was screened, I mean, they would have had, you know, general screenings as well. And they invited mm. the president. And he was so amused by Doc Brown's disbelief that the actor could actually become a president. He actually stopped the projectionist and said, can you play, play, play that scene again for me? And in a direct reference to the film in 1986 and State of the Union Address, he said in the film, Back to the Future, where we are going, we don't need roads. Yeah. Now, Very you, good. You could have a sci-fi movie which would take all of this seriously, but this is a glorious comedy uh, as well as everything else, as well as a great adventure and uh, a thriller in its own way. Um, They had a test screening. How did it go down? Well, this is it, because as I said, the film was never meant to get made and it is an adventure action comedy thriller and, you know, really catapulted the career of Michael J. Fox into the stratosphere, as we all know. Um, but the the test screenings allowed people see the reaction and people's very first laugh out loud moment was the clip that we played at the beginning where he said, you made a time machine out of a DeLorean? And everybody roared laughing. They knew they'd a global hit. And from then it went on to make over $33 billion in the box office globally. Wow. It is by far a long shot, one of the most loved films of all time and cinematic history, but also the most famous as well. There are famous sequels. I mean, The Godfathers, Part 1, 2 and 3, and uh, French Connection 1, French Connection 2, all of which are honourable, but some sequels don't cut the mustard. 
But we had two sequels to Back to the Future and they were great. And they were great. I mean, Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3, they were made actually, Back to the Future 2 was made back to back to um, each other, which nobody realises. Poor Michael J. Fox was worked to the bone. I mean, if you remember the twin peak scene, do you ever remember that? It's in the car park uh, when the shootout happens and he sees the DeLorean for the first time. That actually happened on a Thursday night. They'd only replaced the actor, Eric Stoltz, the day before. And I think, you know, when you see those scenes, you'll realise that these actors were working right through till 2, 3, Three, four in the morning. And Michael J. Fox was completely sleep deprived and also when he did Back to the Future 2. So he wasn't in the country when they actually opened the premiere and he apologised to his agent, apologised to Spielberg and said, I did a terrible job. I know I did. I was double jobbing. And they said, no, no, Michael, this has become the biggest movie of the 80s. Well done. So it just goes to show sometimes things cannot work in your favour, but they work out gloriously. Yeah. Um, Michael, I mean, his career could have stalled completely with uh, his Parkinson's diagnosis but in fact he went on and I, I can recall seeing him in a couple of movies as a bad guy he was in uh, wasn't he in Teen Wolf Te- yeah he, and he was in Desperate Housewives that's right yes yeah. Pat I, I am a huge Michael J Fox man he's you know he's my era he's my ilk um, sadly in 1991 he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and he's always such an advocate for um, you know the disease he, he goes around doing huge talks and of course has his own um, foundation yeah. as well but we've seen him in every movie since City as well another great classic I I think he's had an incredible career and will go on to do so and even if he goes to an obscure part of the world he's still Marty Marty McFly he has so many um, lovely nuggets in his memoir that I would urge people to read you know even when he went into he said Outer Mongolia people were saying Marty McFly Marty McFly (laughs) He, he, he is you know that character till the day he passes and he loves it he always talks with with such revere and reverence and and fondness Lisa Cannon TV host executive producer Spotlight. Thank you very much. We'll have news next. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.